The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Blazers are up 50 to 42 on the Grizzlies. Memphis has nothing from Ja Morant, which is uh, stunning to me. He has no points in that game at all. McCollum's got 17, so he's lighting it up. The other game, uh, Suns 60 46 in the second over the Wizards. And uh, boy, those are uh, some thrilling matchups that they're showing us today. Uh, I just wanted to say in that game, uh, Booger's got 12. Uh, to lead the Suns right now. Sarich has 11 to go with it. And then on the other side, uh, 13 from Robinson for the Wizards. Uh, but the other thing is, what's the report on Canley that they think it's Tommy John? They're waiting right. on the MRI. Is that the bottom line? Yeah, the bottom line is the fear right now is Tommy John. He's got forearm tightness. Uh, he's getting the MRI. They're going to wait for the MRI to confirm it. But you know how this usually goes, Scotty, with the forearm tightness. It usually ends in a bad way for pitchers. So the fear right now is Tommy John. We'll see what happens when they get that MRI back. We'll do some NFL now. I know you're going to like this one because I love when guys get traded to teams after saying that they wanted to retire there, and now they want to retire with the new team that they've been traded to. That's what Jamal Adams did yesterday when he talked to the media's first time as a member of the Seahawks. Let's listen to Jamal, Scotty. The plan is to retire here. You know what I mean? That That is my plan. But obviously, you know, those things handle Please. themselves. When, when all you have to do is just go on the field and perform, <laughs> do the right things on and off the field. Um, and, and those things will take care of itself, man. So I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Um, I, I know the rest of the guys is, you know, excited to have me and um, the coaching staff and, and everybody else. So, I, again, man, we'll, we'll worry about that when the time comes. Yeah, just like in New York, when you were miserable after five minutes and then threw your owner under the bus, your coach under the bus, talked about how you hated it, you wanted to be traded, demanded to be traded. Uh, You're a malcontent is what you are. So have fun in Seattle. Uh, How long? I give you five minutes before you start complaining there. I mean, once a hack complainer, always a hack complainer, right? I think the guy's a great player, but I believe his – uh, words out of his mouth about retiring in Seattle. Uh, how does my ass sound? I will bet my entire FanDuel account that uh, Jamal Adams does not retire as a member of the Seattle Seahawks, as, as big or as small as that account may be, Scotty. Uh, the NFL has suspended Antonio Brown for eight games whenever he decides with a team. This is for various, of course, incidents that have happened with Brown over the last year and a half, two years. So eight games various. whenever he finds a team. We various, various, various things that he have done. Uh, John Harbaugh, Ravens coach, he has not ruled out signing Antonio Brown. This was after Lamar Jackson had said he'd like the team to do so. Let's hear from Harbaugh now. Hey, I, I respect him for feeling that way. Respect his opinion on it. Definitely appreciate hearing how that workout went, whenever it was. I mean, it was a long time ago now, but but any players, we'll look at any and every player at all times. So, um, you know, Antonio Brown's no exception. Uh, decisions will be made based on whatever they're made. And I don't think he's really available to even sign right now. So it's not really a conversation that you have until 
until he's available to sign. Maybe I'm wrong about that. That's something that uh, I'll have to ask Eric about where that stands with the league and, and the player, but that's where we stand on it, at least from my perspective. So anyway, uh, Brown, I mean, let's face facts. Uh, I love his game. The guy's an incredible receiver. There's no arguing that. But his off-field mental state is a disaster. He's a train wreck. Uh, He's got multiple, uh, you know, criminal uh, complaints. He's He's been arrested several times. He's been sued 10 times. He's been accused of everything. I mean, everything. He's even been accused of throwing furniture at people. I mean, the guy is an absolute uh, head case. Uh, I think there's something wrong with him. I think he's missing a couple bolts upstairs. The lights are on, but nobody's home. And is he worth it for eight games? I mean, I think he's got a serious problem on his hands uh, in that, A, no one wants him. Everyone talks about wanting him, but no one ever pulls the trigger on it. No one. Seattle, nobody. And now the only reason Harbaugh is saying that is because Lamar Jackson said he wanted him. Uh, and he's trying to be cool with Lamar because they don't want to ever ruffle Lamar's feathers. Uh, I don't believe he's worth it for eight games, uh, to be honest with you. I don't even think he wants to play football. I think the guy's a mess. Another signing for the Tampa Bay Bucks, Scotty. Shady McCoy won a ring with the Chiefs last year when he hooked on with them, did not play in the Super Bowl, of course. Now he will try to get another one with Tom and Gronk and the rest of the crew down there. I don't expect big things from but they got a very crowded and very versatile backfield down there for Tom to use, Scotty. Yeah, look, I think Shady reminds me of Frank Gore at this point of his career. Uh, I, I think Frank Gore is a Hall of Famer. I think Shady... Um, is, you know, borderline, but I'll give you this. Um, I think he's shot. I don't think he's going to do anything major with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they're loading up with every big name they can get their hands on to try to, uh, you know, on paper, intimidate people that they got this great team. What they have is a bunch of old washed up players that have been injured and that's just all there is to it and Gronkowski's at the head of the class and old man river Brady with those legs of his and cement shoes good luck I'll bet anything they're not going to the Super Bowl I'll bet anything by the way uh this report just came out Rob Manfred is telling uh baseball and and the players association that uh, they might shut down the entire baseball season if the corona isn't managed better by the sport. They've got serious problems, as I said earlier. They've lost tons of games already, and it's only getting worse by the day with these cancellations. Before long, they're just going to cancel the season. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Coast to coast on a pain-free Friday with Carver I Mafia, Joe Ranieri. We have Greg Wyszynski of ESPN Lore, the great hockey analyst, joining us again on Coast to Coast. How you doing there, Greg? Yeah, hanging in there, man. Getting ready for a weekend of hockey from dawn till dusk and beyond that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Right. 
It's fantastic, and it starts at noon. Uh, I'm going to go in order of these games with you. Uh, you know, I watched the, the Ranger-Islander game. I don't know if you caught that game the other day. And I was really watching, um, you know, Panarin, Kako, and and seeing uh, Zabinajad and some of the talent they have with the, I mean, uh, the eye-hand skill they have on that team with, uh, you know, three or four different guys that can really attack the net and and cycle and and shoot. I, they, you know, I'm a big believer in peppering the net with shots and and just cranking shots. Eventually you get some some uh, you know, garbage around the net and you can stuff it in. Does that Ranger team impress you at all going against this Carolina team? Uh, you know, I don't think they're that impressive Carolina. Can can New York beat them? They can, and and they've actually beaten them quite handily. Uh, if you go back their last nine games against them, I think they've had extraordinarily good success. Uh, you're right about the offense. I think that's the greatest virtue of the Rangers. And, and towards the end of the season, fueled by Panarin, fueled by Mika Zibanejad on their second line, uh, they were one of the best offensive teams in the NHL. The other intriguing thing, obviously, is the goaltending. I mean, you, you have the rookie Igor Shurkin, yeah, behind him, uh, Grigoriev, and, and of course, Henrik Lundqvist, the uh, wily old veteran uh, who's won a playoff game or two in his time. Uh, so they have the goaltending, and then they've got the offense. I don't think they have the depth necessarily that Carolina has through their, fir- their four forward lines. And even though they're going to be missing Dougie Hamilton and Brett Pesci, two very good defensemen on their, on their back end, uh, that's the greatest strength that they have. They, they can go with, uh, with six defensemen that are going to be the, the, the top six on any team in this league. So um, I still like Carolina in the series with the caveat that the Rangers certainly found their stride towards the end of the season. Do they have the stones, the Rangers, to actually sit Lundqvist down and go with the kid and make the change? Because, uh, frankly, uh, Greg, once they do it, it's no looking back, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know who they're starting in game one. I hadn't seen any news on that today, but I can tell you that they already kind of made the change, right? I mean, Shurkin and Gregoriev played more than Lundqvist this season. Shurkin, towards the end of the season, basically took over the crease. Lundqvist knows what his lot in life is. He's got one year left on his contract after this. Clearly, the Rangers are going with two younger goaltenders going forward. Um, it's totally up to Hank when he wants to leave New York. If it's on this contract or, you know, after the contract expires, he does have trade protection. Um, but it's pretty clear the Rangers are ready to turn the page on uh, their franchise standard bearer for the last like 15 years. Um, but that's just to be expected. I mean, the Rangers are a different team. They, it's a remarkable rebuild what they were doing in New York where they announced the fans like two years ago, we're going to go into this rebuild. There's going to be some pain. The pain lasted like two years. I mean, this, this team is very close to turning the corner into being a, a cup contender if they're not there already. So uh, the Oilers and Blackhawks, Edmonton gets to play in their building, but no fans, so no real advantage. They might know some nooks and crannies along the boards uh, and some places to uh, pop some bounces, but uh, I think they're a lot faster. Now, I know the Blackhawks have the youngest team in the league. Uh, When it's all said and done, it's crazy after Kane and Taves, Keith and these guys won three cups, but the rest of that lineup is so young, they're all in diapers. Can they dance with the Oilers? Because I think Edmonton has a lot of speed and talent. We've seen what uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl can do. Yeah, I mean, the way I've been describing it is like the Blackhawks are kind of like that old thief in the movies trying to pull one last job, you know? Like like Caves and Kane and Keith are all obviously... Uh, not where they were when the Blackhawks were were having their dynasty in the last decade. They are surrounded by some good young, talented players, no doubt, uh, including including Dominic Cahoon, who's a a Calder finalist rookie of the year, and Alex DeBrinkin, who's a great young uh, offensive player. Problem being, though, Scotty, is that when you're going up against uh, two of the best players in the world, and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, who this season played on two different lines, giving the Oilers a little bit more uh, balance than they usually had when they would play on the same line. Uh, That's tough. That's a tough nut to crack. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. The Blackhawks don't have the kind of team defense necessary to take out uh, those two guys in a five game series. I I like the Oilers here with the caveat that it would be a a wonderful narrative to see the Blackhawks uh, rise up and, and pull a surprise in the playoffs. 
It would, uh, but I, bottom line is they wouldn't have been a playoff team, and they're just not a good team. I think they're a few steps away from being a good team. They have the talent. They have the right pieces. They have the youth. They have the right contracts, but this isn't their time. I'll be shocked if they go deep on a run here, and even uh, I'll be even further shocked if they beat this uh, Edmonton team, to be honest with you. I just don't think the Blackhawks are that good. Panthers, Islanders, I got to tell you, I watch the Panthers. They don't even deserve to be there. They're awful, and Bobrovsky's <laughs> been awful, too. Ever since they got him, he sucked. And the Islanders, uh, to me, just have way too many scorers that can put it in the net. They can't even stop Barzal. On his own, the guy could beat the uh, Panthers. Well, and the Islanders also have something else you have to like coming into a series like this, which is uh, defensive structure. I mean, they're a Barry Trotz team. And I I don't know if we really understand quite yet what the the kind of hockey that we're going to see in the opening round is going to be. I mean, on top of playing in an empty arena, neutral site, you're talking about guys that have been off since March, right? So is it going to be loosey-goosey fire wagon hockey? Is it going to be tentative hockey? I think the teams that have strong defensive structure, the Islanders, the Bruins, Dallas, a couple others, are going to be in a pretty good shape coming off the hop uh, in this tournament. So I give them the advantage in this series. And like you said, the problem right now for the, the Panthers is not only has Bobrovsky not been good this season, not only do you still worry about what he'll end up being in the postseason, I think the Blue Jackets played incredibly well in front of him last year in the playoffs when they beat the Lightning in the first round. But you're, you're playing in back of a very porous defensive team uh, in, in the Florida Panthers. And I think the Islanders are going to uh, take advantage of that offensively and be stout defensively too. I think the uh, Jets' flames might be the hardest uh, to determine this series. Uh, they're so even, these teams. They are and they aren't. I mean, I, I think that when you look at the depth um, on defense, clearly the Flames have the advantage there. I mean, they're even with Travis Hamannick opting out of the tournament, they are very stacked on the back end with Mark Giordano and TJ Brody and, 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 and uh, Noah Hannafin and so on and so forth. Um, then the Jets obviously have the advantage in goal. Due respect to Cam Talbot and David Riddich for the Calgary Flames, but Connor Hollebuck is going to win the Vezina Trophy as the league's best goaltender is the sole reason, I think, why the Jets are in the playoffs. Uh, I like Calgary in the series. Um, the Jets do have some very high-end talent that is going to be scary to have to try to contain in the series and obviously have the goaltending advantage as well. But I just think the Flames are a deeper team. I think ultimately they're a better team. And uh, the Jets still have, even though they've made some improvements on their back end, I think they still have some problems defensively that the Flames are going to be able to take advantage of. The real bummer of this series, as you know, Scotty, is that it's going to be played in an empty arena. We don't get to see the whiteout in Winnipeg. We don't get to see the sea of red in Calgary. This series would feel so much cooler if we were playing with fans in the building. There's no doubt. Respectfully, I got 90 seconds. How much does Gensel uh, being back in that lineup help the Penguins in this series against Montreal? Enormous. I mean, it's enormous. Both he and Connor and trading for Connor Sheary from the Buffalo Sabres gives Sid uh, his two dependable line mates that he's had in previous runs to the cup. Uh, getting him back and healthy is huge, much like getting Vladimir Tarasenko back for the St. Louis Blues is huge. These are two players that if we ever were on the regular schedule to play in the playoffs, probably wouldn't have been seen until the later rounds. And because we delayed it to the summer, they both get to play. Uh, 45 seconds. Uh, can one guy price, uh, do anything against this Pittsburgh team? Cause I think the rest of the Canadians suck. I think you're, you're right on that. And I also think that if you had to pick one team that maybe didn't really want to be there, it might be Montreal. They finished a bunch of points out of the play, a playoff spot. Uh, I think, I think also conversely, if you want to pick one team that wants to make a statement in the first round, it's probably a Penguins team that feels like they, don't, they shouldn't even be in the qualification round. They should be playing in a round robin or get a bye or something. So I, I think they're just going to steamroll the, uh, the Canadians in the first round. All right, so we'll uh, come back with Greg Wyszynski of ESPN and break down all of Sunday's five-game series uh, that began. It's awesome. Stanley Cup playoffs start Saturday and Sunday. I'm horny. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I 
I'm Cam Stewart with your Sports Grid News and Betting Update. You want the capping edge, get on the grid. Breaking news, Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred says the MLB season could be shut down if the PA doesn't do a better job managing COVID-19 protocols. Hey, dude, aren't you the commissioner? Tonight's game between the Brewers and St. Louis Cardinals has been postponed due to the positive COVID-19 tests from the Cards. According to MLB Network, it's possible that only two players tested positive. If the rest of the team tests negative, the series with the Brewers will start Saturday at Miller Park. Not getting any better for the Marlins. Their number of infected players up to 20 total. Sick Marlins players and personnel are taking sleeper buses back from Philly to Miami. The rest of the Marlins team not infected will stay in Philadelphia before they head off to Baltimore. Miami will not play until at least Monday. The weekend series between Toronto and Philly also postponed. Yankees closer, Araldis Chapman has been cleared to return to the team from the COVID-19 injured list. A very busy day in the NBA. Let's get at it. We got two live games on the go. Portland up on Memphis, 68-60. We're at the break right now. And Phoenix on a late run. They lead Washington, 67-52 at the break. Earlier, Orlando took out Brooklyn, 128 to 118. Hope you like your overs. Fournier, 24 points for the Magic in the win. An unidentified Sacramento player had an inconclusive COVID-19 test on Wednesday, followed by two successful negative tests Thursday and Friday. He will be expected to play tonight versus San Antonio. The Pac-12 released its 2020 schedule today, which will feature a 10-game conference-only slate, and play will begin September the 26th. The 2020 title game will also be at the higher-seeded team's home stadium instead of Las Vegas, and it's scheduled for December 18th or 19th. The NFL is suspended free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown, eight games for violation of its personal conduct policy. The ban will begin September 5th and end after the eight games, regardless of whether he's on a team or not. Hockey, Carolina blue liner, Dougie Hamilton getting better, but still out for game one versus the Rangers. That's the first game on the betting board Sunday, noon Eastern. Dallas Cowboys, the most valuable professional sports franchise in 2020, worth an estimated $5.5 billion, according to Forbes. The Yankees, they're in the two-hole, and the only other team worth at least $5 billion. The Knicks sit at number three, Lakers number four, and Golden State rounds out the top five. Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick are expected to comprise the new Monday Night Football broadcast team. Golf, round two of the WGC FedEx St. June Invitational. Brendan Todd on fire with an opening 64, and today a 65. He's got a two-shot lead at minus 11. Ricky Fowler in second at minus nine. We got the Barracuda Championship in California, plus scores good this week. Austria's Matthias Schwab leads plus 20 right now. Padraig Harrington says he'll skip the PGA Championship due to his COVID-19 concerns. MLS is back tournament tonight, 730. Orlando City versus LAFC. LAFC, the big favorite, minus 145. Orlando plus 290. The draw, 330. Total, three and a half on FanDuel. I'm Cam Stewart. That's your Sports Grid News and Betting Update. Now back to Scotty Farrell with Greg Wyshynski on Coast to Coast. All right, one question, Cam. Uh, what do you think of uh, Manfred threatening to shut down the baseball season? Uh, I don't care who he blames. You can blame the PA. You can blame Tony Clark. You can blame the players. The bottom line is baseball, not Rob Manfred, but baseball itself has a major problem with this COVID of these teams traveling around. They should have done a bubble. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Look at basketball off successfully. Hockey, two weeks in a row, no COVID tests. We're playing on Saturday. They try, Hey, they could have got this bubble thing done months and months ago, but oh no, we're going to fly around everywhere. And I got to tell you something, this commissioner, we gave him an F on his report card now. I just want him to, you know what, Scotty, let's keep him back a couple grades. And F's not bad enough. He's blaming other people for this situation. Dude, you're in charge. First, you call the trophy a piece of metal. You can't even understand what's going on with players and the health protocols. This guy has been a disaster from the start. And I'll tell you, hey, I'm MLB, shut it down. 4.2 million people watch basketball. A lot of people are going to be watching hockey. They got to get their act together. Come on, baseball, figure it out and get a new commissioner. There you go. I don't think they're going to do that, but I think they should. I just don't think that's going to happen. Cam, great stuff. See you on Game Time Decisions. Have a great weekend in Toronto, buddy. All right, uh, Greg Wyszynski is the great uh, reporter for the uh, NHL with ESPN. He's been on the bench for years. We love him. He's fantastic. He's back again to break down uh, this weekend's playoffs. Uh, That Ranger game kicks it off tomorrow at noon on Saturday. Now, Sunday's games, I want to start, frankly, you know, with the right time. So the Coyote Predator game, I think, is the first game of the day. I watched Arvidsson the other day. I thought the Predators looked pretty good. And I got to tell you, Greg, I am not buying the Coyotes. Phil Kessel was awful all season long. And people are expecting him to suddenly uh, flip a coin and be great in the playoffs. I just don't think they're a good team. They're uh, GM. They didn't even invite him to the Taylor Hall dinner. You knew something was up there. What a disaster they are. Are you serious? They're going to beat the Predators? I don't think so. 
Well, the GM wanted to quit. I mean, the GM wanted to go take another job. I can't blame him for that. But, you know, the thing with Kessel this season, they they, they traded for him. They made the big splash. He, he said he was hurt. So you're hoping that the months off helped him heal up a little bit because he can be a very effective player performer. I picked the Coyotes in an upset here. I'm not confident about it. The Predators are a better team on paper in almost every facet, except for maybe goaltending, which could be a push based on how well the Coyotes guys can play. Darcy Kemper, Antti uh, Ranta, and you have UC Soros, and of course, Pekka Rene over on the Predators. Um, the, the key to the series is going to be how much heavy lifting Phil Kessel is able to do, and especially Taylor Hall, who you have to remember is going to be going for a new contract after the season. His last and only appearance in the playoffs for the Devils, he was quite good. Uh, that's the only hope for the Coyotes, that those guys can generate the amount of offense that they're going to need in what should be a really, really tightly played series. Can you believe the luck that uh, Taylor Hall has had with his talent in the NHL? It's like he's got, uh, he just keeps ending up with a fat check. Honestly, like seriously, like the guy's had nothing but bad luck with teams. Seriously. Yeah, it's a, it's a real like drag me to hell level curse uh, going on with Taylor Hall with this, but you know, I, I, there's an opportunity here for him to really make a statement before he looks for his, uh, well, I was going to call it a big payday. I don't know if you can have a big payday when the cap is flat, but wh- whatever money he can scrounge up after the season uh, could be boosted by him having a really strong playoff. Where's that uh, new job for the GM that everybody hates out there? Where's he going? Is he going to Seattle or something? Where's he going? Nah, the, it was the Devils that were talking to him. We reported on that this week, and uh, he was going to have sort of an overseer position for several different teams in the portfolio of the owners, including potentially the Mets. Uh, but I don't know if that job's still on the table. I think the Coyotes, certainly with their emphatic statement talking about him being a big old quitter before the playoffs, may have uh, poisoned the well a little bit for John Chaga. <laughs> quitter, girly man. <laughs> uh, Flyers, Bruins. Uh, glad it's around Robin because I'd hate to see one of those uh, two teams drop out of it because I think they're both really. Uh, good teams. I think the Bruins are deeper and better. I think they're a better team. I think the Flyers are maybe one step from the top floor uh, in the NHL. They're still missing something. I don't trust Hart's health uh, overall. How long can he stay sturdy in the pipes? But what do you think of that? Yeah, and and, and Hart's the real key, right? Like, I mean, we've seen goaltenders, young goaltenders, come into the playoffs and really just kind of take the thing over. And, and Carter Hart has the ability to be able to do that. They're really good. I, I gave the Flyers a good long look, not only because of how deep they are. I like a lot of their their uh, their defensemen as well in front of Carter Hart. Obviously high-end talent with guys like Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier. Um, but, you know, if a team, you know, you're trying to think about how this tournament's going to play out. And, and wouldn't it be a thing if, like, they win their first cup since 1975 inside of a bubble? In Edmonton, right? Like that'd be a very Flyers thing to do, right? But uh, um, I, I, I agree with you on the Bruins. Like the Bruins are a team that you know obviously made it all the way to the final game last season before falling to the Blues. Very deep, very good, better, very veteran. And um, as we talked about earlier, these teams being off since March are going to certainly help the veteran players, like guys like Patrice Bergeron, who are usually so beaten up by the time he gets to the postseason. Uh, will have played like 70 some odd games, but now they got, you know, a break of, of, of four months until you have to play in the playoffs. So you, you wonder how much better now a team like Boston could be if they're going to be rested up and ready for a playoff run. Uh, Blues and Avs, uh, speaking of good teams, I like both of them. I think the Avs might have one of the top lines in the entire league, that first uh, unit. And then, uh, I think the Blues have every bit the team that could repeat. And we've seen repeaters, uh, the Penguins, the, you know, we've seen these teams, the Kings, the Blackhawks, all play uh, really well in those short windows. Not dynasty stuff, but, I mean, I, some people would say the Blackhawks were a dynasty. Penguins, uh, five cups now and, and back-to-back cups twice. Uh, I, why not the Blues? Yeah, put me down for Blackhawks dynasty, by the way, inside of a cap system. What they did was definitely a dynasty. But, you know, the, the, you bring up a really good point about the Blues, which is not only like the Bruins, do they get a chance to rest up and get their veteran guys ready for the playoffs, but they also, as we mentioned before, bring back Vladimir Tarasenko, their best offensive player, limited to 10 games in the regular season due to a shoulder injury. They get him back in the lineup. They managed to finish first in the West without him, 
And that's how good this team is. And then obviously Jordan Bennington, the goaltender, we saw also what he was able to accomplish last year in their cup run. Uh, Colorado is a very interesting team. They have been a team that has not been able to keep everybody healthy at the same time. It's one of the reasons why Nathan McKinnon got an MVP nomination because of the way that he was able throughout the season to carry the team through a lot of that adversary, uh, adversity. This is going to be one of the only times this year where we've seen a fully armed and operational Colorado Avalanche lineup. So I think we're all very intrigued to see how good this team can be when all the pieces are healthy. How do you think the Leafs will finally do in the postseason? As long as they don't have to play Boston anytime soon, uh, I think they're uh, very fast and have talent on at least on the offensive end. I don't know about defensively. You tell me. Well, defensively, no. I mean, they've been a, a, a sieve all season. Uh, Freddie Anderson, their goaltender, is going to be counted on to do a lot of heavy lifting, as he has been in previous postseason appearances by the uh, Maple Leafs. But the one, like you said, man, like when you stack it up and you start talking about Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, Willie Nylander, up and down that lineup, uh, it's real good. And if this tournament becomes more of a track meet, if it becomes the better offensive team setting the tempo and, and, and offense being the determining factor in some of these series, then the Maple Leafs are, are well positioned to thrive in this tournament if they can get past a very pesky blue-collar Blue Jackets team that obviously pulled the big shocker sweep upset over the Lightning in the first round last year. They don't have the same talent. I mean, Panarin gone, Duchesne gone, Bobrovsky gone, but uh, but they're still a very tough out in that first round. But I, I, I would be surprised if the Maple Leafs didn't find a way to take three games against them. I want to punch uh, Tortorella in the mouth. I'm so sick of that guy, the way he treats people. I'm done with him. He needs his ass beat, that guy. That's what his problem is. Nobody ever smacked him around when he was a kid. Uh, and I'm talking about his friends. Somebody should have beat his ass because he's got a mouth on him for a little guy. He sure talks and treats people like crap. Somebody needs to give it back to him. That's the problem. Everybody's afraid of him. If I ever got in a room with him, I'd let him know what I think of him. Uh, Vancouver, do you like that young talent they have? Can they handle the wild? I mean it. I'm serious what I say about Tortorella. I think he's a jerk. I like Vancouver in this series. Uh, I'm one of the few people on the planet that picked the, the Canucks to make the playoffs. I think they would have made it anyway, even if the playoffs didn't expand to 24 teams based on points percentage. A great young core of players that are going to have to learn pretty quickly how to win in the playoffs against a veteran Minnesota team that, don't forget, fired their coach, Bruce Boudreaux, with like 12 games before the pause, bought in Dean Evason. He coached so well and was such a good dude during the pause with his players that he actually ended up, ended up getting the job uh, and getting the interim tag ta taken off of him. Minnesota could be a sneaky good team. Defensively, analytically, they've been very good all year. If they can bring a little offense into it as well, uh, they could be a difficult team, but they haven't gotten the goaltending. And that's one of the reasons why I like Vancouver in this series is Jacob Marks from their goaltender. Even though the Canucks are a little bit loosey-goosey offensively, not exactly a possession team, uh, he's been able to really be uh, an acrobat back there and, and saving their bacon. So I like him in this series. I think it'll go five games, and it'll be a good education for Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, and all the young players in that team on how to figure out how to win a playoff series. I got 40 seconds, respectfully. Monday, Caps, Lightning, Stars, and Vegas. I think Tampa and Vegas are the two best teams in the NHL. Made me happy, bud. Lightning and Vegas are my cup final picks. Uh, I like I like the Lightning for the talent and also for not having to play in front of their own crowd. They, they get tense. They, they screw up in the playoffs when the pressure's on. Vegas, analytics tell you they're, they're, the, they're one of the best teams in hockey. Uh, the getting Robin Lanier at the trade deadline in case flurry, isn't your guy going forward in the playoffs for whatever reason shores up that position. I, I that's my pick Vegas and, and the lightning in the final with the lightning going over to win the cup. Hey, uh, Greg, I love you. Great stuff. Uh, enjoy the hockey, enjoy the playoffs, enjoy the bubble. Stay healthy. Thanks for coming on coast to coast, brother. Love you. Great to see you again, man. Take care. All right. Greg Wazinski on coast to coast. Sports Grid. 
vsin.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Pharrell back on uh, Coast to Coast. We bring Mafia in now for another uh, UFC card on Saturday. Uh, I wonder how it's going to do Mafia in terms of up against uh, the NHL and the NBA playoffs that are going on. Anyway, you slice that it's playoffs, if you ask me. All these games matter. All these games are important. The hockey is definitely playoffs. The NBA still got a little ways till they start the actual playoffs. But how do you think the UFC will do? against uh, those sports, even though this is kind of a light card? It's going to be tougher because not only is the light card, it's one that's on ESPN Plus, not on the regular ESPN. So you got to have that special little membership to go view it. So you're not going to get the ratings, you know, as far as regular channels go. You know, that's going to be on NBA and other things like that. That's what those channels are going to be doing. And this card is one that's, you know, taking a lot of hits right now. It went from like a 13-fight card to like a, a not eight or nine because you've had, you know, guys getting pulled out for certain things from, you know, a lot of undisclosed reasons. So we don't know if that is COVID related or family or what. We even had a situation where one guy pulled out because he's going to miss the weight cut because he just recently started on like a new antidepressant or some kind of medication, he said, uh, that affected the weight cut and he didn't know how to deal with it. You know, he didn't know how to cut the weight while on this. It was affecting his body and uh, he missed weight. So they pulled him, replaced him with someone else. And then the commission stepped in and said, no, no, that guy's not cleared. So they lost that fight too. I mean, they're losing fighters left and right on this card. It's a very light one at this point. Who is that? Is that that Valiev guy that they're talking about? Or is that someone else? No, that was someone else. He was one of the guys that they pulled for undisclosed reasons. So we're not sure why exactly he got pulled as of yet, but you know, maybe we'll find out down the road. Why did they pull uh, Timor Valiev? Do you know that reason? No, they haven't told us. All right, so let's get into Brunson uh, Shabazian, uh, the main mm-hmm. event for Saturday's uh, card in Vegas. And let's look at uh, your picks and, and the breakdown of some of these fights. Yeah, listen, this one is going to be a very interesting fight. This guy is a very hype Shabazian. He's, of course, managed by Ronda Rousey, trained by her former trainer, Edmund Tavarian, which is what you know some people might be questioning with him in that respect. 22 years old. He's coming in here 11-0, 4-0 in the UFC. He's just ripping through people, and everyone are excited for him. He just had a nice win over Brad Tavares in New York at the end of last year. But now he's going against Brunson. Brunson's, you know, one of these gatekeeper guys, number eight, ranked middleweight. He's not one of the guys that's uh, the best in the division, but he's, you know, beats everyone else except the best. His losses are guys like Adesanya, Jacare Souza, Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero. It's not like he, you know, gets beat up by, you know, by Sh- uh, guys who are just punks, you know? So this is a big test for him. This is the best guy he's fought. And Shabazzian also is a guy who hasn't fought even on a main card yet. He hasn't even been the main fight on a prelim card. And now all of a sudden he is the main event on one of these cards. Now, of course, there's not going to be fans there. It's going to be the apex. It's a different kind of scenario. There's a lot of pressure to put on a young kid out the gates. I'm going to lean towards Brunson this one. I know everyone is on Shabazzian. I mean, I'm just very surprised how the book's out of this right now. FanDuel has it at minus 310 for Shabazzian. For a kid that hasn't been tested that much, I think that's very, very disrespectful of Brunson. I'm going to take a chance on him. That's the only way you're going to make money on this fight. It's not by betting the favorite at minus 310, obviously. And again, I, as I said before, people question his trainer. You know, it's a guy that people thought Ronda Rousey should have left. 
and went to a different camp in order to move up and be better in a career. Even her mother suggested that, but she stuck with them. And then all of a sudden she started losing and then called it quits. So we'll see, you know, if this guy can rehab his name. If you're looking at the FanDuel, uh, you know, how they're looking at this fight, they're obviously not expecting it to go the distance. Minus 380, that it will not go the distance. The total is at one and a half rounds, and the under is at minus 142. How the fight will end? KOTKO, minus 240. They're expecting this kid to come in and take Brunson's head off. And I'm just going to lean on Brunson a little bit, think that he takes his wrestling base, think that, you know, 36, he takes a little smarter approach and uh, stays out of this kid's powerhouse and tries to go and take this to the distance and maybe win it by points. You can get Brunson at KOTKO or points, the double chance bet at plus 280. So I think he's a good value to take a bet on here. So let me ask you, uh, so once they get into the Ferelagon and start fighting, does the, does the trainer, I mean, at, at some level, doesn't he just uh, become a byproduct of, of what the guy's got to do when he's in there fighting? Like uh, half of these guys, when they're fighting, they don't look like they're listening to anybody to begin with. They look like they're half crazed. Uh, and then when they're in the corner in between rounds, they, they're yelling at him and screaming at him. And the kid's sitting there trying to get water and trying to breathe. I don't even think they're listening to him. Well, you know what? Obviously, before this, it was really hard to listen to him with all the fans screaming and going crazy. But now we've seen with the uh, the pandemic and no fans there where they're hearing the broadcasters, they're hearing the coaches, a lot easier to react and do what they're doing. I mean, it is all about who's in the cage when you get in there. But before that, all the prep, all the breaking down where you're weak and you know focusing on what you need to work on before the fight, breaking down the game plan on how to beat these guys, that's where this factors in. Of course, it's all on Shabazi and once it closes, but... How is the prep before that? And if you're going to lean that way, if you think that you like this kid, you're going to go with him and forget about all the other stuff I said. You know, you got to go other, some of these other ways to make the money where you can get him uh, by KOTTKO and pick the round. That's where you're only going to make money. Otherwise, it's very negative odds. But you can pick the round, at, you know, plus 130 for round one, plus 650 for round two, or plus 1400 for round three if you want to try to win some money on Sabazian. All right. What about the other fights that stand out to you, Moff? Yeah, we're only going to stick with the, the top three here. Joanne Calderwood is stepping in here on short notice. I'm taking her at minus 154 over Jennifer Maya. Uh, JoJo, or Dr. Neville, as she's also known, is supposed to fight Shevchenko for the belt. And she's putting that aside. She hasn't fought since last November. Shevchenko's out injured. She had knee injuries, getting surgery and recovering from that. So she said, you know what? I'm ready to go. You know, when they want me, I'll go in there because I want to stay active. I don't want to get rusty. So right now, they needed her on short notice for this fight. And she said, let's do it. And it's already in Vegas, so it's not like she had to travel or anything like that. Coming over a split decision win off Andrea Lee. Uh, she's, you know, taking that risk, like I said, of saying, I'll fight even though I have a title in front of me and I'm going to take the risk. Maya is someone who hasn't impressed me much. She's coming off a loss to Caitlin Chikagian. Uh, she's 2-2 two and two in her UFC career there. She's a decent all-around fighter, but to me, not that exciting, not something I'm betting on. I know it's kind of iffy on Calderwood coming in so late, but I think that she's been training hard and focused the whole time. So I'm not thinking that she's coming in, you know, taking this too lax or that she's not going to be in shape or anything like that. I'm sticking with her, but they think it's going to go the distance right now. FanDuel has the over at two and a half, uh, minus 400 for the over for two and a half rounds. Obviously, it's only a three-round fight. Under is plus 280. So they think it's going to go the distance. They think it's going to be points. All methods of victory are plus money here. You get called to it by points at plus 105 if you want to get a little bit better odds. I like what you call her, Dr. Neville. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Neville, that's her Twitter handle because she loves to get in the Muay Thai clinch and just throw those knees and elbows at you. All right, and then who's that last fight I've never heard of? <laughs> the last fight is uh, two guys actually from your area. Vicente Luque actually was born in uh, the, the town over by you that I used to live in. He's facing Randy Brown, who was born in Jamaica but fights out of uh, the Bronx or Queens somewhere in the New York area. These are two middleweights that are kind of in the bottom of the rankings, but this is going to be an exciting fight. This might end up being fight of the night, in my opinion. Two guys that love to get in. They're well-rounded. Uh, they're both on some you know, decent uh, winning streaks. Rude Boy Brown has uh, won two in a row, three of his last four. Vicente Luque, the silent assassin, has won seven of his last eight, 11 and two in his last 13 fights. He's got 10 KOs, but he has a bunch of submissions as well. And they're not like these you know, back chokes. They're not like triangle chokes. They're not arm bars you know, that are good submissions, but not exactly the most technical. He's got Darsh chokes and Anaconda chokes on his record, and four Darsh chokes. That's one of the toughest ones to get. So right now I'm leaning towards Vicente Luque. I think he's too well-rounded in this one. Uh, minus 184, he's out on FanDuel. And, of course, uh, for me, the big thing that's swaying me, even though Brown's going to have a reach advantage and a big advantage on the leg kicks, he's got like seven-inch leg reach advantage. For me, the big thing is that Brown lost to Nico Price and Bilal Muhammad, two guys that Luque's beaten. So if you're going to go off common opponents, Luque's obviously the better guy from there. Uh, they don't think it's going to the distance. I think it's going to be a knockout here. FanDuel as the no for going the distance is minus 210. 
How the fight will end? KO, TKO is minus 105. The over one and a half total rounds is minus 158. So I think it's going to go past the halfway point, but not make it all the way. And all the methods of victory are plus money here. You get uh, Luke at the double chance here. This I like those, uh, you know, where you can get either one. Either way it ends, it works for you. The KO, TKO, or points is minus 125 for him. Or the KO, TKO, or submission, which I'm leaning towards, is plus 120. All right, so uh, Conor McGregor said he'd fight uh, Chimaev. I don't believe that's happening. I still think he's going to fight uh, Mayweather again. I think they're going to try to sucker the public one last time. And then uh, Alexander Volkov and Walt Harris are going to fight at uh, 254 in October. Is that about right? Yeah, that's about right. They're going to put that one in there. It should be an interesting fight. Uh, you know, Walt Harris hasn't looked great his last fight, so I'm not exactly thinking he's going to be too tough for Volkov. I think Volkov should win that fight, but we'll see how that goes. And there's no way, even if he wants to, that the UFC should put Conor McGregor against Shemayev. Because we saw what that guy did. And now he's not a ranked guy. He's, you know, young in his career. But what has he done to beat people up? Take them down and pound their face. What is Conor McGregor terrible at? Stopping takedowns. If you want Conor McGregor to come back right now, you have a little bit of juice behind him after his win over Cowboy. The last thing you do is put him against somebody whose style is terrible for him to face. That's what Chimaev would be. So I don't even think that works out for him in the fact that he's frankly so ranked so high and this kid is nobody in the, you know, he's got a nice little juice behind him right now, but he's still nobody in the rankings. Why would you do that? That'd be stupid for the UFC. All right. Great stuff. Mafia. Enjoy the fight card this weekend. Uh, Carver highlights take it away with some college football. I know there's a lot going on with the SEC and PAC 12. Yeah, we'll start with the SEC. We know what they did yesterday. They're going to go to the conference-only schedule, 10 games. Here is Commissioner Greg Sankey on ESPN saying they had to do it. Here's Greg. We have looked at you know the public health information that, that really anyone can access um, in our communities, in our region, and I've been with you before. Uh, I generated a bit of a stir on, on another uh, network show on a Saturday morning that um, – you know, these trends have not been positive, and, and we're still listening to our medical uh, task force. We just looked at it and say, hey, if we can slow down, we want to give ourselves a chance to play football. Uh, the adjustment to conference only is about we've been playing college football in this country for 150 consecutive years. We celebrated that last year, well over 85 years of crowning uh, champions in the SEC, and we want to make sure we're able to do that. Well, there you go. And the Pac-12 approves a 10-game conference schedule as well, following the leaders. They're all doing it. They're all doing the same thing. And the Big 12 now, the last Power 5 school to have uh, to make a scheduling uh, decision. And I'm sure that'll come any day now where they're going to do the same thing. Power 5 coach says everyone is scared of opt-outs, whatever that means. Uh, you know, guys that aren't going to play. Uh, they're worried about star players and the best players on their teams not playing in the college football season. The way things are going in baseball, Carver High, right now with travel, with baseball teams, this is all you need to know. It's a precursor to college football is doomed. So is the NFL. Uh, unless they're going to keep them all completely locked down and never let them leave their rooms or leave the practice facility. That's the only way that they're going to be able to accomplish it because good luck. With yeah, that. Good luck is good luck. Keeping a hundred college kids uh, tied down. That's for sure. Uh, Georgia tech's game with the Irish will not be at Mercedes Benz. They're going to play that at Bobby Dodd. They'll make that up another time. Let's get to golf. Scotty Bryson DeChambeau. He had a day yesterday. He was looking for relief on an anthill. Uh, he did not get it. He double bogeyed the hole. This was his quotes afterwards. I'm always going to respect the officials. No, you do not ever do that. Uh, I had two twigs lodged in between my ball. It is what it is. Did you also see this one, Scotty? He said that he wants to live till he's 130 or 40. I really think it's possible now with today's technology. I think somebody's going to do it in the next 30 or 40 years. Justin Thomas tweeted back at him. Are you serious, bro? How about the shambo? Maybe a little bit too much with the workout and the, and the power shakes here, Scotty. Yeah, he's going to live to 140. Uh -huh. Okay, Fatso, whatever you say. And going back to uh, Bobby Dodd, I saw Pink Floyd there once. Great concert, and I don't remember much of it. And I've seen a lot of college football games of Bobby Dodd, too, down in Hot Town. But, uh, but Bryson DeChambeau's a D on the golf course. He's an absolute D, and that's it. Molinari and Padraig Harrington are not going to play at the PGA Championship next week in Harding Park. Not going to make the trip from Europe. FA Cup final tomorrow, Scotty. Chelsea and Arsenal. I know you already have picked Chelsea to win this one, right? Well, no, I, 
I think Chelsea should win, but I'm gonna go all out. I'm gonna go upset oh. City and take the Gunners. I'm going Arsenal. Whoa. Yeah, and How about that? I'm taking Arsenal, Arteta and company. I like the Gunners. They've won this thing a bunch of times, 13 times or something like that. They always seem to do well in it. Tom Coughlin gets injured in a bicycle accident. That is not good. Uh, never like to see someone get hurt on a bike. And the guy, Harvey Updike, who uh, ruined all the trees at Auburn, uh, he died at 71. What a great loss. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're all back on uh, Coast to Coast. Uh, game time decisions coming up at the uh, top of the hour, 6 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget Sports Grid Radio. Overnights for all on events, 1 a.m. Sports Rage, 3 a.m. Bagels, Bad Beats, 5 a.m. Check out SportsGridRadio.com. You can watch us on YouTube. Just search Sports Grid Radio. See you tonight on the bench. Uh, Marenzi joins us now. Uh, this Memphis comeback has been wild. And Morant just had this amazing alley-oop dunk before the timeout. And now they're up. Five on Portland. They were down like 15 in this game at least. The Blazers were blowing them out, and the Grizzlies have gone crazy in the third. Still four minutes left and change, and they've uh, come all the way back. I know you're watching that game, Marenzi, but I guess my big question to you is this. What do you think of Manfred saying they're uh, thinking about canceling the whole baseball season now? Well, I like how he's um, saying if um, if the sport – uh, doesn't uh, start following protocols better. You are the sport. You're in charge of this sport. It's pretty clear that the owners are going to try to pass responsibility off uh, to the players. I don't know why the players weren't being uh, monitored. Uh, you, you've talked about it every day, just when you think Rob Manford can't look dumber and more useless. Like, you know, I said last night on Sports Rage uh, Late Night, uh, Scotty, um, that, you know, he shouldn't be like the CEO of Major League Baseball. He should be like running an Arby's or something like that. But, you know, the guy the guy should be like selling hot dogs on La Brea Boulevard, bro. Like, like I, w- I wouldn't trust this guy to run my fantasy baseball league, let alone like a real like billion dollar operation. He's clueless. Listen, the Jamocha shakes at Arby's rock, dude. Those are the greatest shakes when you're stoned ever. Uh, it's like a, it's like a chocolate uh, <laughs> caramel uh, frappuccino type malt shake. It's badass. I used to bust off Great five at a time. <laughs> I mean, if you smoke a blunt, those things, you can do five of them at once. Like the Frappuccinos at McDonald's are great. Have a great weekend, Marenzi. Enjoy the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. And I'll see you on Coast to Coast Monday. I'll see you freaks on the bench tonight at 10. (laughs) Peace out. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.